All right, let's go back to our teaching today. I want to quickly try to wrap it up a bit with you. Are you ready to learn tonight? Yes. Uh, you don't sound convincing. Are you ready to learn tonight? Yes. And then are you ready to pray tonight? Yes. Let's start again. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. And now for a little space. Ah, at least you are alive and awake. Ezra chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. And now for a little space. Grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondsmen, yet our God has not forsaken us in our bondage, but has extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. Allow me not to go back on some of the things that we said, but just to pick up on the points that we made yesterday. We are reading in these scriptures that the reason our God is giving us this rega moment. Somebody say rega moment. And the reason God is sending this visitation or this revival, the reason God is raining down his drops of mercy and thank God for the rain outside. Aren't you just glad? I was just thinking yesterday that maybe we should start calling ourselves as a church, Grace Bible Church Motlalipule. Because it looks like all the events that we do, it rains on us. Isn't that a blessing, Bazalana? Yeah? I mean, even in April, when it's not supposed to rain at the stadium, one of those days it will just rain. Hallelujah. Yeah, so maybe it's like Pizza Motlalipule or Grace Nomvula Bible Church. <laughs> But God is raining drops of mercy and giving divine measure of visitation, moving upon a generation. Please realize, Barcelona, it is not a work of man that we should all have the hunger that we are having right now. It is the work of God. And God is sending this revival for a number of reasons. Number one, to leave us a remnant. Number two, uh, look at your notes. Look at your notes. To do what? Number two? Yes. To do what? Yes. I'm watching, Rabeg. I'm watching. To do what? Yes. Number three? Yes. It doesn't say to give us a peg. Eh? Yes. In the front row, you must know my answers. You can't sit in front when you don't know my answers. To give us a peg. In the holy place. But now you can't be looking so nice and you don't know what my answers are. You have to. To give us what? A? In the holy place. All right? Number three, to do what? That, that our God may enlighten our eyes. Is that right? To do what? To enlighten our eyes. Number three, number four rather. To do what? To do what? To repair the house of God, number what? Number five. To do what? And number six. To give us a what? Or to say what? In the message Bible it says to do what? To construct a defensive wall. Now, yesterday we talked about a remnant. We talked about a nail uh, in the holy place. 
Today, I want to talk about that our God may enlighten our eyes. When God brings a revival or a visitation, the purpose of that is to enlighten our eyes. One of the greatest things that King Solomon asked from God, when God appeared to him, and God said to him, you can ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. I know some of you would have asked for a Lamborghini, but that's not what he did. What he did was, he said, God, you've given me this nation to lead. These are your people. They are a mighty people. And I don't have all the insight in the world, and I don't have all the know-how in the world. So I'm going to ask you, and when you read it in the book of Kings, it's so amazing. He says, I'm going to ask you to give me wisdom. But when you read further, it says that, and Solomon had wisdom, understanding, insight, and discernment. Say it with me. Wisdom, Wisdom. understanding, Understanding. insight, Insight. and discernment. Now, let's talk about this. Wisdom is the ability to apply the right knowledge. That's wisdom. The ability to apply the right knowledge. Insight is to be able to have a deeper understanding of what is not obvious to the natural person. Understanding is a know-how what to mix to get things to move to the next level. And discernment is to have an understanding what makes things not work. And all of that is what is encapsulated or is included in this expression to enlighten our eyes. When Jesus preached very often to people, he preached to them in parables. Now, these people were exposed to Jesus. They were exposed to his preaching. They were exposed to these dynamic principles that he was giving them. Though they were listening, they didn't hear what he was saying. Though they had eyes, they didn't see what he's trying to point out. Watch this now. And so what Jesus would do is that after the meeting, he would sit down with his disciples and he would explain to his disciples what the parable meant. You remember the parable of the sower and the seed. Jesus spoke to his disciples to all the multitude rather, his disciples were in attendance. And the Bible says, and when he was alone with his disciples, he explained to them what the parable meant. And then one of the disciples asked him and said, why do you speak to the multitudes in parables? But to us, you explain what the parable meant. Note what Jesus says. He said, to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. In other words, you, you, you are all in the same service. You are all exposed to the same preacher. But what is said to others is just information that's nice. To others is information they can use in a practical way. Because that's what the word wisdom means. It's the word phronimos. It means practical knowledge. See, you can have information and never know how to convert that knowledge into practicality. So, when God begins to move on us, 
in the time of visitation, this is where God begins to open our eyes and helps us to be able to know practically how can I walk in the anointing? Practically, how can I overcome demonic powers? Practically, how can I pray and have my prayers answered? Practically, how can I live a committed life? Practically, how can I church get my church to grow? Practically, how can I be a believer who works in authority and power and dominion? And once you move from the realms of just hearing for the sake of hearing to the realms of being able to have practical knowledge you move into what Paul was praying about when Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 this is what he says he says since the day I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Watch this, Barcelona. When the eyes of your understanding get enlightened, you start knowing the hope of his calling. In other words, you start knowing what rightfully belongs to you. Now, that word know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of word. It's not a word of know in a sense of head knowledge. It's a word that the closest explanation we can give is what he calls experiential knowledge. So Paul is saying, I'm praying for you because right? And when you got saved, there are certain benefits that rightfully belongs to you. There are things that Jesus purchased on the cross for you and they are your portion and they belong to you. But I am praying for you that God will give you the wisdom to know how to access what rightfully belongs to you and live in the practical reality of what rightfully belongs to you. There are many people who know that they are victorious in Christ, but they're not living in victory. They're not living in victory. Why? Because they just don't know how. There are Christian people who want to live free from sin, but they just don't know how. You see, there are Christian people who want to walk in the anointing. You hear about the anointing, but they don't know how. But I'm prophesying to you, this year you will know how to do that in the name of Jesus. This year you will be able to have phronemos, practical knowledge. You will move into revelation knowledge. Now know this, revelation knowledge is not only practical knowledge, but it is knowledge that comes through experiencing. See, once you have experienced something, nobody can take away from you what you have experienced. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying, Bazala. Let me give you an example. This guy is blind. We read about him in the Gospels. And he's been hearing about Jesus, okay? So he's blind. He's never seen Jesus. He doesn't know how Jesus looks like, okay? So here it is. He comes to the meeting where Jesus is. He comes in the presence of Jesus. Jesus lays on his hands on the guy and walks away. In the meantime, the guy gets healed. Okay? So, Ufodile is Jesus who healed him. He hasn't seen him. Alright? Mara, he has been healed. So, later on, the Pharisees come to him. They put pressure on the guy. They say, you keep telling everybody that Jesus healed you. Yeah? You keep telling everybody that Jesus has healed you. So, the guy is in trouble. He doesn't know what to do. He says, okay, Baro, Baro do, do you know who he is? He says, no, I don't know who he is. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't see him. I mean, I was blind. You know, I, I don't know. They, so they pressure him. He says, no, I don't know all those questions, but there's one thing I can't say about. 
Ah, you don't hear what I'm saying. I don't know I don't know I don't know how he looks like I don't know if he has the power like you say I don't know any of that but there is one thing ekitsebang and the one thing ekitsebang I was what and now I do what may that be your portion in the name of Jesus when people argue with you about the presence of God you tell them well I don't know all the Greek and the Hebrew around it I don't know the theology around it but one thing I know I once was not anointed but now I am anointed in the name of Jesus I don't know what you're talking about I don't know all the theology but what I know is my family was bound but now there's peace that passes all understanding in my home may it be your portion this year in Jesus name See, when God brings revival, he brings us into a place of a divine encounter with his reality. It's one thing to read about the power of God. It's another thing to experience the power of God. It's one thing to read about casting out demons. It's another thing to be able to cast out demons. Come on, can I hear an amen in the heart? It's one thing to hear that God speaks to people. It's another thing to hear the voice of the Lord speak to you. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? I said it is one thing to talk about God who speaks to you, but it's another thing to know that God has spoken to you and to experience the hand of God. It's one thing to talk about the anointing, but it's another thing to know that when you kneel down, you can feel the power of God upon your life. Jesus. It's one thing to sing that song. It's another thing to experience that song. It's one thing to know that you are more than a conqueror. It's another thing to live as more than a conqueror. And when God brings about an awakening, a visitation, he moves us from theory to experience. He moves us from head knowledge to experiential knowledge. Oh, he moves us from just uh, formats in our head to practicality where you know how. You know, Zalana, this is what I've realized something about this. When you see somebody succeed at something, it's so easy to think, I can do that. You know, it's, it's easy. You know, to, okay. Until you start doing what they're doing and you start having a measure of success. But then you get to a point where you reach a ceiling and you can't go further. 
and you can't reach where they reach in spite of all your efforts. And then you realize, no, no, it must be that these people know something extra that I don't know. <laughs> ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> I use that example about my, my dad, you know, he, he worked, he was the only one who worked at home. You know, it was that decision, him and mom, that mom would, would be a house manager, he would work. And he, he took care. How, uh, did I say something wrong? What did I say? Huh? Is it wrong? Is it politically correct? All right, it's a house manager. Okay, what? House executive, all right, house executive. Oh, house CEO, okay, house CEO, yeah. Domestic CEO, all right. But you know, with five children that our dad had to support, he paid us school fees, they bought us clothes, we had enough food, and we always used to go to school really pocket money. And it never failed. Serious, I don't remember one day where he, you know, and when you are young, you think that is easy to do. Until I, we had our own children. Two only. And then somewhere, you run out of money in the middle of the month. And then I remember one day wondering, how did he do it? There is something that he knows that I didn't know. The same money, same world, he had more children than I did. And less money than I do. Mara, with more money and less children, I couldn't do what he it's almost like there's an extra. And here's the frustrating thing. I have all the equipment he had. Money, children, everything I have is all there. Mara, I can't achieve with my resources that are plenty. I can't achieve half of what he achieved with little resources. God is moving you into that realm. Ah, you're not understanding, Bazalan. Where God multiplies what you're doing. Where God increases what you're doing. Little resources, greater results. Why? Because you move into a place where your eyes are enlightened. Somebody give the Lord a shout at this house. Oh! There's a verse in the book of Psalms where the psalmist says, and may God increase you a thousand times. You know, you know I, never, I never used to understand that verse. Huh? God increase you a thousand times. And I thought, I mean, how does God increase you a thousand times? Until I realized something. Let me explain to you. Let me explain to you. This is very important. You see, there are certain things that take so much time to achieve. But when you move into this season we're talking about. What is supposed to take many years and a long time is achieved in a short... Some of you, you don't know, God is going to put you into supernatural acceleration. church, the early church on the day of Pentecost 
Peter preaches one sermon, one sermon, one sermon, one sermon. You're not hearing one sermon, one sermon. And through that one sermon, 3,000 people get saved through one sermon. And after the men at the gate, you see the heavens are agreeing. I see you moving into that season. Ow! God is raining on you and he's increasing you a thousand times. Yeah. He preaches after the man was healed at the gate of beautiful. One sermon. And at the end of one sermon, 5,000 people get saved. You know, I remember I had this discussion with my dad many years ago. And he told me something that struck me. He said, Musa, imagine. Here you are. You are both children of the same father. And your dad both gives both of you cows, oxen. You know. So, Ole Fatona, both of you equal, whatever. Right? So, how? after one year, they have given birth to two calves. This one, their homo has given birth to one calf. Six months later, the one calf has died, and this one has two calves. The following year, their homo gives birth to three calves. Yours gives birth to two calves, right? So three years later, one calf of theirs dies, only one survives. Or now, the other, they've given, now they've got five calves, and the other two now have grown up, okay? And after three years, they start giving other calves. So by the time you come to 12 years, this one has a herd of oxen, you only have one. But your starting point was the same. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Your effort was your same. Your working was the same. Your environment was your same. The context was your same. If if because God has increased me a thousand times. Yeah. God says, I'm going to move you into that season of understanding and wisdom. I'm going to enlighten your eyes so that you can know how things work, so that you can solve the problems that are there. Just like Solomon, when people got brought problems to him, what they couldn't solve in a long time, he was able to solve. Just like Joseph, when the king had a dream, and even the magicians couldn't solve the dream, when they brought it to Joseph, he was able to solve it in a short space of time. You will be able to solve things in a short space of time because you have moved into that season can I hear an amen in the house when God brings about an outpouring and God begins to enlighten our eyes we moved into a dimension that is so different and it works for you it works church growth easy Wisdom and understanding, easy. Solving problems at home, easy. At work, easy. You know, and not only does God do that, God gives you insight to show you things that are to come. To prepare you for things that are to come. Yeah, God spoke to Joseph and told him, there is a famine that is coming. Prepare ahead of time. Other people will be overtaken by it. Marawena, you will not be overtaken by it. Unkulukulu, uletim fitlaga alobazalwana. What he doesn't tell to other people. 
He doesn't just do something. Before he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, I'm going to go to my friend Abraham. I'm going to tell my friend Abraham what I'm going to do. He comes to Abraham. He says, shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm about to do? I'm saying, God's not going to hide from you anymore. You will move into that spirit of enlightenment. That God may enlighten our eyes. The what I like about this the most is when God enlightens your eyes to start understanding his word and how to practically apply his word. You know, you can read the Bible and love it and never walk in the fullness of it. You can preach it and never live in the fullness of it. But once God's word becomes a revelation in your heart. That's the kind that Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And if the son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. I see you walking into that season. Free indeed. Hey, let me move on. Wow. Number what? Number what? That we may repair the house of our God. I want to read you some scriptures there. God desires to repair his house. This, this speaks of the restoration and revitalization of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today. What is God trying to do? God is trying to put his house in order. You see, Basalana, there's a lot of damage that has happened to the church of Jesus Christ. Things that have been preached that are wrong, doctrines that have been believed that are wrong, practices that people have gotten into, and God wants to take this ruined, wasted, destitute place and restore it back to where he wants it to be. I want to read a few scriptures with you, first of all, in Isaiah chapter 2, Verse 1 to 4. I want to show you what God wants to do. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. The word which Isaiah the son of Ammon saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Keep going. Now it will come about that in the last days, <laughs> the mountain of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. Give it to me in another translation, please. What translation is this? King James Version. It shall come to pass that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. Now, let's talk about that. What is the mountain of the Lord? When you read further, you find that the mountain of the Lord is really speaking about the church of Jesus Christ. This mountain of the Lord shall be established upon the top of the mountains. If you can just think about it. It's a mountain on top of a mountain. <laughs> so what God is going to do, he's going to take his church the mountain of the Lord and make it become higher, stronger, more anointed, more effective than any other form of mountain that is there. 
And note it says, it shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. In other words, God is going to restore the church to a point that people will run to the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about Grace Bible Church as a, as a church. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ, Jigelele. Why? Next verse, note. Next verse, verse 3. It says, and many people shall go and they will say, come ye, let us go unto the mountain of the Lord. I'm sure some of you have invited some people for this prayer meeting, haven't you? Have you invited some people for this prayer meeting? You told them, you found them, you send them a tweet, you say, hey, let's go to that prayer meeting. Let's go over to the mountain of the Lord. It says, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And what will, it, what will happen in the mount of the, of the Lord? Number one, he shall teach us his ways. God is bringing back the time, Bazalana, where in the church of Jesus Christ, there's going to be teaching that is practical, where we teach people not our names, we don't teach people our doctrines, we don't teach people our traditions, we teach people the ways of the living God. He will teach us his own ways, and note, and we will walk in his path. I love it. In other words, not only will we receive teaching, but that teaching will be practical so that we live out what we have been taught. Then it says, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord. Keep on going from Jerusalem. So God is going to restore his church. But in these days of visitation, this is what I'm trying to tell many people. There are many people who are not realizing that there is something very unique and distinct that God is doing in the, in the local church. I'm telling you. And people who want to be involved in anything that has to do with the work of God, if they don't locate themselves in the local church, they're going to have a problem. The local church has become the vehicle and the tool that God is using. See, there was a time when local churches didn't have great ministry for men. We didn't have great ministry for couples. We didn't have great ministries for women. We didn't have great ministries for children. Church services used to be boring. The music wasn't so nice. The preaching wasn't so nice at all. But now, God is doing something in the mountain of God. And the local church has become the hope of the world. The local church has become the instrument and the tool that God is using. And I just feel sorry for people who do not locate themselves in a local church. People who are church hoppers and they don't have a spiritual home whatsoever. They are missing out on what God can deposit into their lives. I'm telling you, Basalan, that the local church is the place where the glory of God is. Go everywhere. I mean, last year, it struck me as I was traveling around to see what God is doing through local churches. I told you about it. I think the highlight for me was when we were in Zimbabwe with all the challenges that are going on in Zimbabwe when we went to the church of uh, 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 Bishop Nyati, you know? And, and, and when you come to the church, you see a church that is vibrant, filled with the spirit. You see people who are filled with vim, vigor, and vitality. 
You see them in church. You see the young people coming to the front and praising God and dancing. You hear the preaching and the teaching. And, and, and it's, it's almost like you couldn't even believe that they are in the midst of the most challenging time. They are inside the most difficult of situations. It's almost like when you step into the church, you are stepping into a different world altogether. You couldn't even believe that they are surrounded by so many things. You know why? Because the mountain of God shall be upon the mountain and upon the hill. And this mountain of God, the church of Jesus Christ, is the tool that God is using. Why is God bringing such a great move in the church of Jesus Christ? Why is there such a, an amazing, powerful move of God in the local church? Because God wants to use the local church as an instrument and as a vessel. Watch this, Basilan. Before God can restore the world, the scripture that was read, God always wants to start with what he calls my people. See, many times we are praying, God touched Soweto. And God says, I want to touch Soweto through you. So what God does, first of all, is to bring about a renewal in the local church. To make the local church vibrant, powerful. Watch this now. Change people's lives. So that these people who used to be murderers and crooks and jailbirds and, 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 and fornicators and maquapengs and, 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 and all kinds of strange things. You used to be liars and cheats and, 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 and all kinds of whatever. All kinds of people. Everything. So that when people start observing Urumara, ever since you went to that place, you are a different person. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Then they start being curious. Because the gospel is best preached through the ordinary lives of ordinary people. It is the changed lives of people like you and me that is a more stronger and a more powerful preaching. People can argue with what I preach from here, but now, Bishop Uchoyal. But they can argue with you, Abanabahutsi, but the way you are a crook, and all of a sudden you are such an honest person, they can't dismiss that kind of someone. They may say God is dead, but they can't deny the fact that you're a different person. They may say God is not alive, but they can't define, deny the person that you're a different husband, you're a different wife. Can I hear an amen in the house? They may dismiss what you are preaching, but they can't deny the fact that now you are a different young person altogether. And when they ask you what happened, and they try to put you in a corner, you say, I don't have the theology. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. All I know is God touched my life, and that's why I am the way I am. And so it becomes the church. That becomes the instrument that God wants to use. Some of you, you don't realize how much God wants to use you to bring revival in your home. To bring change in your home. In your family. Why? Because as you come here in this presence, 
Just like Moses was up on the mountain of God and when he came down from the mountain, there was a glory on his face. I see a glory on your face that has come because of the Lord Jesus. And when we start being that different, people start asking what is going on and you also can say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord. And God wants to bring about that transformation. He wants to restore and repair the house of God. God wants to bring the church to a place where it functions in what it's supposed to be. God wants the church to be restored again, to be moving in the power of the Spirit of God. In these days as God is sending this renewal and this outpouring, He is bringing the church to its full power. So that we no longer have church services that are dry of the power of God. We don't just congregate just for the sake, Yahomaka register. But when we come, we are touched by the power of God. Bazalana, the church is the hope of the world. And the church is the instrument that God is going to use. Can I hear an amen? amen? Then it says, to repair the house of God. God desires to repair his house. Then it says, to rebuild its ruins. Our God is a rebuilder. Our God is the one who brings up what has been ruined. Our God is the one who raises foundations again. Here's the nice thing, Barcelona. As God rebuilds the church, he starts rebuilding the lives of the people in the church. Some of us, we come here and you know, we come from a background where everything has fallen apart. Watch this. God is going to rebuild that which has been lost and broken in your family. It's amazing the way God is an expert at taking broken lives and, and broken families and broken homes and, and broken relationships and rebuilding it again. I see that anointing upon your life in the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness, my time is running. Oh, Bazalan. The last one he says, to give us a wall in Jerusalem and Judah. Or to construct a defensing wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Go with me to the book of Job, Bazalan. I want to show you. As God is bringing a renewal, a refreshing, a visitation, he is taking us into a level of spiritual authority and power. Mamalan Bazalan. In Job chapter 1, can I have it up on the screen, please? There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Look at your neighbor and say, that is you. Look at your, the other neighbor and say, that is you. All right. Now, you may not be in the land of Uz. Maybe when you are in the land of Gauteng. And whatever your name was. And that man, that person, was perfect and upright. Look at the neighbor and say, I feel like I'm sitting next to one of those right now. Now watch this, person. don't let the word perfect throw you. The word perfect is not talking about sinless perfection. That word perfect, it talks about maturity. He was mature, grown up spiritually, not a baby Christian anymore. Tell your neighbor, you look perfect. Okay, maybe you are not. Okay, some of you, you are not even sure. You are not even sure. This man was perfect and upright. Somebody say upright. Say it again. Say it again. Then it says, one that feared God and eschewed evil. 
There were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Now, that's not a prophecy for you, okay? <laughs> Skip to verse 5. It was so when the days of his children's feastings were gone that Job sent and sanctified them. And he rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of his children. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned. And, next verse, and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So what is Job doing? He's praying for his family. Are you realizing that, Danan? What is he doing? He is what? He's praying for his family. And note, it's not just once. No, 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 no. Go to the previous verse. Go to the previous verse. It's not just once. It says he did that what? Continually. Somebody say continually. continually. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you need to do it continually. <laughs> Tell your other neighbor, Oskawa Mafavu, neighbor, it needs to be continual. Yeah. Continually. Next verse. All right. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came along with them. So here are the angels. They are coming before God. Satan comes with them. Next verse. The Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? Ah, Satan, azul, azul. That, that's what it means right there. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto him, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth. He's a perfect and upright man, one that fears evil and stays away from evil. That fears God and stays away from evil. Then Satan answered and said, does Job fear God for nothing? A note. Have you not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? And you have blessed the work of his hands and his substance has increased in the land. Now watch this now. Here it says, our God will construct a defensive wall. Bazalan, you are moving into a season where I can't penetrate that family because when Amudimu you have built a wall around them. Can I hear an amen? And the wall is not only around you, it's around your family, it's around what you possess, it's around what you do. And God says, not only that, everything they touch is going to turn to gold because I have blessed the work of their hand. See, in these times of visitation and renewal, we move into a different level of power and authority. Some of you have been afraid of demonic powers. Those days are over with in the name of Jesus. You're going to rise in the power of God. Some of you who used to be vulnerable, God is building and reinforcing. Do you know that tab hedge in the Hebrew is the word palisado? Oh, you got it. Where we get our term, the palisade fence. Stop nonsense. God has built a stop nonsense around your life. There's not going to be any nonsense from the devil around your life. Why? Because as God is pouring out upon our lives, he is putting a hedge around you. 
Some of you, you experienced measures of success. You went so far and all of a sudden the enemy came in like a flood. God says, no more. I'm building a stop nonsense. He's not going to remove anything that you have built. This year, you will never go backwards. You're going to move forward in the name of Jesus in everything that God wants to do. And God is going to build you line upon line, precept upon precept. God's going to move you to another level. When the devil tries to come in and destroy, God says, you stop right there. This is my daughter. This is my son. You can never come into their lives. Can I hear an amen in this house? See, in the days of visitation, that's what God does. Yeah, and those who used to look at you and think you're a walkover, tell them I'm not a walkover anymore. God's going to make you in areas where you used to fall, where you used to falter. God's going to strengthen you and you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of the might. And whatever advances and gains you've made in the kingdom, you are not going back. You're moving forward in Jesus' name. Tonight, this is what I want us to do. I want to pray in groups. Groups of five, groups of six. We're going to pray for these points on one another's lives. Number one, we're going to pray that God will enlighten our eyes. Number two, we pray that God will rebuild the ruins in our lives. Number three, we pray that God will build that constructive wall of defense around us. I want you to pray over one another and tonight... I want to move you into something I've never moved you into. I think you are, I can trust you with that now. I think you have reached another level. All right. As we pray over one another, I don't only want you to pray, I want you to start to speak God's word over your neighbor. Speak the promises of God upon their lives. Speak the word of the Lord upon our lives. The Bible says, let the word of Christ Dwell richly on the inside of you. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and, and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. I want to move you into that. I, I had, I've wished to do that for so many years of this church. But I didn't think I can trust the people with that. But when I look around, Nkulunkulu has done something that is amazing. And so let's get into groups of about five or six or seven, whatever. Just get into groups all over all over, all over. And start praying for one another for these three things. Number one, that God will enlighten your eyes. Number two, rebuild the ruins. Number three, construct a defensive wall in the lives of your brother or sister. Yeah. And as you pray for one another, begin to speak the word of the Lord over one another's lives. And if there's any other areas that we haven't covered in prayer, Get those people to pray with you right now. In all the other venues, wherever you are, in all the other churches, do the same. If you're able to stand in the aisle or whatever you want to do, just get around in groups, all right, and begin to pray. Let the prayer rise as incense in the presence of the Lord tonight. Let us pray. Let's pray, everybody. Begin to pray.
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Thank you, Lord, for making me a remnant. Give him a hand of praise his word. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a nail in the holy place. Thank you, God, for enlightening my eyes. Thank you for repairing the house of God, rebuilding the oil ruins. Thank you for constructing a defensive wall. Thank you for these times of refreshing and renewal and visitation when times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our day and in our time. And thank you for your presence on my life. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Jesus, aren't you glad that God raised you up and lifted you up? When the devil wanted to destroy you and kill your life, God picked us up. God raised us up. God filled us with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now we have a fence and a palisade around our lives and the devil can never get in there because we are living in times of renewal and revival. Oh, we thank you, Lord. That what Satan meant for our destruction, you've used it for our good. And here we stand today, filled with gratitude and grace. Here we stand today, thankful for the little space, the regular moment. Grace has been showed up to us that God may give us a reviving. That you will keep for yourself a remnant. Give us a peg in your holy place. That you will enlighten our eyes. Build up the, the walls. Rebuild the ruins. And fence us around and encamp around us. For that we are grateful. Thank you for the rain. Even the spiritual rain upon our lives. That again and again tonight, you've reminded us it's raining on your lives. Mercy drops raining on our lives. Grace drops raining upon our lives. And as the rain of heaven falls upon our lives, we will grow and good things will germinate out of our lives. Thank you for newness and freshness and new beginnings. Thank you that in places where we were stagnant, we will see growth again. Thank you that in places where there was dryness and drought, Father, in places where we were struggling, our struggles are way beyond now. We are over it in the name of Jesus. We are moving on. Thank you for your presence. Hold your neighbor's hand. Thank you for this. Your child today, whose hand I hold. This your child who is a miracle on two feet. You've done great things in their lives. And you continue to do great things in their lives. Thank you for bringing us into your bounty the deep things of God. Thank you. We recognize this as a sovereign move of God. No human being can engineer this. We recognize it's an open window. It's an open door. We're not going to ask anybody we are stepping into that open door. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that the mountain of God shall be placed on top of the hill. That in the church you are doing amazing things. And as we locate ourselves where you're moving, 
the same power and anointing comes upon us. And for that we are grateful. So I pray for my brother, I pray for my sister. May this year be a different year for them, I pray. May they move from head knowledge to experiential knowledge. May they move from head principles to practical principles. As you release the phronemos of God. May they be the blessed ones to whom the kingdom is given to know the secrets of the kingdom that they can have eyes and see, ears to hear and hear that none of these things are veiled from them. Oh, may your presence give them answers this year. May they never walk around and grope around in darkness and uncertainty. May this year be a different year for them. Because you are the one who is sending this visitation. May the life of Christ be seen through them. May many people come to know you, Jesus, just by looking at this, my brother and my sister. May they live as a written epistle. Not written with ink, but written by the Holy Spirit. And as people watch us live, they can hear the gospel preached. May we grow up to know you more, Jesus. As you've promised to show more of a manifestation in our services. As we move into gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Spirit. As we bump into divine encounters and times of refreshing. May we know you more, love you more, and serve you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Give him a big hand of praise today. Hallelujah. Come on, Zion, shout to the Lord with the voice of Zion.